Speaking of commitment, that leads me right into our speaker for today, Clarence. This guy is committed. He's committed to sharing the life-saving gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he does. He's so committed that he leaves his family. This morning, this morning he was at Nazareth over in Holt, and he leaves his chicken nugget. That's his son. He leaves his um, barbecue sandwich. That's his little middle girl. And he leaves his buffalo wing. That's his youngest. And his wife is his baby back ribs. He, he leaves his family all the time. So today, I'm not going to introduce Clarence as, what, 450 pounds or bench presses 600 pounds. I'm going to introduce him to you as a man committed to spreading the word of God, a man committed to sharing the gospel wherever he goes, a servant that leaves a dear sacrifice everywhere he goes. So, a warrior for Jesus Christ, Clarence. Come on up, Clarence. I sat way in the back because um, I needed the cardiovascular work today. I, I don't do cardio, and so I said to myself, I sit back here, I'll get, it, I'll get a little bit of exercise because I ate, I ate twice before I came here. <laughs> I didn't have any chicken nuggets, but I had some eggs because um, I saw um, Sabre, we call her Sabre, up front. She, she's very healthy. I mean, organic. I don't even know how to spell organic. <laughs> she takes the egg whites and tears them off of the yellow part. And, and I'm like, what are you doing? That's a family. You put them apart. Well, she eats the white part of the egg, and she, she eats like one yellow. So I did the same thing this morning. I feel like I'm being healthy. But then when they walked out the door, I ate the rest of the yellow. I can't help it. <laughs> I tripped and fell, and it came into my mouth. I don't know. It, something happened. So then I went to this other church, and we spoke this morning. We had a great time, and they had my kryptonite in the back. It was yellow cake with chocolate icing. Let me tell you something. That brings flashbacks, because when I was 12 years old, I still have that picture. It's a picture of me holding a tennis ball in my hand, because I used to love to throw the tennis ball against the house sometimes and pretend like I'm playing wall ball and things like that. But my mom made that yellow cake. And it broke me away from my intense exercise. I had a pet chicken back then, and the pet chicken used to play ball with me. I'm serious. <laughs> the chicken used to get mad at me and untie my tennis shoes and bounce the ball, and I bounced the ball with the chicken. And I eat yellow cake, and I fed yellow cake to the chicken. And um, I don't know. I, I don't know what happened to that chicken. Seriously, I think my dad ate it. I'm, I, I really do. He, <laughs> it was just missing one day. And we're like, where is it? And then... We had chicken for dinner. I'm a mathematician. I know one plus one is two. I know. Uh, I'm a, I have two math degrees. I know that if you cook chicken, you get fried chicken or, well, in her organic baked chicken in your household. But I don't know why I went there this morning. I went, I have no clue. No clue. <laughs> Boy, I had a, had a great time this week. And. I know being on the power team for um, 
21 years. I'm not a full-time member. I'm a part-time member. Um, I used to be a full-time member my first year, and I left to go play football again. And uh, I taught math for a little bit. And when I went back to the power team, I would go maybe six months a year, sometimes one month, or, um, one week out of the month. But lately it's been a lot. I've been traveling a lot with the team. It's hard to break away from that um, brotherhood or sisterhood. And the reason why I say that is it's not necessarily the souls that gets me. It's the relationships. I love my relationship with God. I love my relationship with people. And who am I to tell people that you need to get your life right with God when I'm not enjoying the abundant life myself? The abundant life is what it's all about. God tells you if you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, and you love your neighbor as you love yourself, you're fulfilling the, not just the Ten Commandments, but the 613 that's in the Torah. Think about that. You're fulfilling it all if you just love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. You know what the souls are? It's not us. It's the byproduct of what God is displaying. He's the one that brings in the souls. I went fishing with my father. And my father used to love to go fishing for hours with his brothers. They'd go fishing. We'd go on that boat. We'd go deep sea fishing. I didn't fish, but I watched them fish. I could eat the fish that they cooked. And we used to grill the burgers on the boat. And we had a bag of Doritos and a can of Mountain Dew. I was good at that. And I watched them fish. But I remember my mom, she used to hate fishing. But she used to love to eat the fish. And she used to love to reel it in. What am I trying to say? Is they had these fancy fishing rods. The ones you could cast out and hold it for a long time. And if you catch a shark, it takes a long time to bring that baby in. And when you bring it in, they're so big, they flop around the boat. But a fancy fishing rod is nothing without the professional who uses it. The power team is a fancy fishing rod. I go to some cities and people don't know how to use the rod. They say, okay, you're the power team. Do your magic and see if people come in. It doesn't work that way. It takes professionals who know how to use that rod. You're the professionals, Karen. You guys are the professionals, Miles. Pastor, you guys are the, prof- you guys are the professionals who know how to make this rod work. It takes a team. It takes a village. It takes relationships. And when people see it, you know what they do? They're just like a bunch of Dottie Thomas. As Dottie Thomas came in, he says, if you're the son of God, show me your scars. Show me your scars. In other words, show me that you're real, that you're not phony. People want to know that you're not phony. They want to know that you suffer like they do. We have something they don't have. It's called hope. Everybody say hope. Hope is what died on the cross. Hope is what paid the price for you to be his number one draft pick. It's not a signing bonus. Well, yeah, the signing bonus is him dying on the cross, but the rest of it is the abundant life and eternity in heaven. You're his number one draft pick, full of stories, full of testimonies. Now, I've been married for, uh uh-oh, going on 18 years. She's not here to get me, but we're going on 18 years. My wife is five feet tall. She weighs one (laughs) dollar. She is little. I kid you not, I met her in Seattle, Washington. And during that time, I was living in Ohio. I was working with the inner city ministry. They would put me in different inner city areas for three months at a time. We were trying to create an inner city power team. A friend of mine is named Keith Davis. He mentored me. He's played for the New York Giants. 
We would live in Detroit for three months. We lived in D.C. for three months. We met with politicians. We met with um, a lot of uh, very important people in the communities to put these things together. And I remember my wife, future wife, was living in Seattle. We were trying to put something together in Seattle. She would go out there on her own into the homes, and she would feed families give toothbrushes out, teach hygiene, teach kids how to balance a checkbook, give Bible studies. And that little tiny woman did it by herself. And she looks different than me. When we look together, people think, y'all look different. She's blonde hair, blue eyes, Norwegian, part German. I'm not German. I'm not Norwegian. I don't have blonde hair. I think I'm African and American or something like that. I'm not sure. But anyway, (laughs) when we're together... They're not looking at us because we look different. It's because our size difference. Because when I saw that reflection in the mirror, I'm like, I'll be looking at me too. It looks like I'm carrying my lunchbox around. She's swinging up in the air when I'm carrying her. She's up like this. I'm like, oh, wow, she is little. You know what she calls me? Honey bunches of oats. I just lost my man card. <laughs> See, we, we, I went out there and I met this beautiful woman that was out there serving and we got married 11 months later and been in the ministry now um, for 20, going on 21 years with her for 18 years and she sacrificed not working and she worked at a physical therapy clinic to raise up the kids because that's our number one ministry. Your family is your team. Your family represents your name. Your name has value. God puts value in your name. He died for your name. There's a reason why you have to create. I don't want a tombstone when I die. I want a legacy. Tombstones carry weeds. We don't see it anymore. But a legacy? I don't have to read the tombstone because I see it in my kids, my kids' kids, and the people they influence. I want a legacy when I die. Now, sometimes I've worked in a group homes. I remember... Um, working in a group home, and, 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 and I worked with inner-city kids. When I met my wife, we got married. We had inner city, some inner-city kids in our wedding as groomsmen. It's funny because one of them gave me a bet. It really was my twin brother. But he bet me that I was going to cry on my wedding day. And I told him, I'm not going to cry. He says, you're emotional. You are going to cry. I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not afraid of her. He says, no, dummy, you're going to cry because you're going to get emotional. I bet you a dollar. And you're going to sweat because you sweat anyway. I'm not going to sweat. So maybe a hundred bucks. So you know what I did? I did what a real man would do. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get a serious workout before the wedding. That way I won't be intimidated. I wasn't thinking emotional. I'm thinking being scared. So I'm working out, drinking my protein shake, sprints and run sprints, have my go, my world's gym t-shirt on. You ever seen the world's gym? It's a big old gorilla sits on top of the earth. Like, I had a thing on my, and man, I'm pumped up. Yeah, have my protein shake. And I said, you know, in case I get hungry, I'm going to buy 20 cheeseburgers and they're going to be ready for us. That way we take those pictures. I'm not going to cry because I'm hungry, right? So I'm eating my cheeseburgers. I gave cheeseburgers. Man, I felt like a big spender. McDonald's cheeseburgers. They're good. <laughs> so I'm standing, waiting for my wife to come forward. It took a long time for her to come out. I didn't realize that girls wear makeup and perfume. And they comb their hair. 
I don't comb my hair. <laughs> I don't wear makeup. I don't. You think I do, but I don't. <laughs> I put soap on my head, some lotion, because sometimes when you're my complexion, you get ashy. You know what I'm talking about? You get so ashy. You know what I'm talking about? Look, you be kicking flour. You know what I'm talking about? Get knees all ashy and stuff like that. Ashy. My friend said, but you're ashy, man, because the darker you are, the ashy you get. My friend said, but you're so dark, you step in the car, the oil light comes on. I'm like, shut up, man. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm sitting there, I'm waiting. And when she came out, wow. Seriously. Man, I can remember it like it was yesterday. You see it on TV, right? They wear the wedding dress. They come down. She's with her dad. No, no, TV, I don't care if it's 3D glasses, okay? Dude, when you see it in person, I guess really when it's your your wife, and she looks like that, you're like, wow, I didn't pay her to be my girlfriend. I didn't pay her anything. She, she wow, you know, she's pretty. And she's walking down the aisle, I'm like, I started to cry. <laughs> my brother looked at me, I said, no, man. <laughs> I'm going to beat you up, man. <laughs> And she walked down the aisle. I'm like, oh. But then I started to sweat. I'm like, oh. I'm like, oh, no. I forgot to take off that, um, okay, I was wearing a, my jacket was too big because I didn't get it tailor-made. So I could Umar the tip maker. And, and um, I had this silver vest thing on. And I didn't wear a tie because I don't have a neck. But anyway. You remember that T-shirt with the world's gym? I've got to take it off. So when I started to sweat, and she's coming forward, you see the forehead. Do you see his chest? <laughs> he kept walking down there. Yeah, he started showing. The grill was breathing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What in the world?" I was like, "Oh gosh, I'm sweating." The grill is like, yeah. <laughs> My poor father-in-law, man, I, he's a trip because he used to work for Boeing. He, he has a nerdy look to him, got the glasses on. I call him dad. It's so funny. Hey, dad! If I just wanted dad, I don't care, man. He's my dad. He comes forward. <sighs> okay, I was supposed to memorize my vows, and she memorized hers. I didn't remember him, so my brother had a, um, you know, sheet and kind of read from it. I was kind of lip syncing a little bit. And um, he knew me. You may now kiss the bride. I remember that part. And the second part is, they had some of the best buffalo wings I ever had in my life at the reception. Those wings were good. I say this for a reason. Because when I worked in one of those group homes, one of the kids was reading this book. And the book was about a movie called The Da Vinci Code. You ever heard that before? And I'm just going to be real with you. It's a lie from the pit of hell. The kid was reading it. And the kid asked me, can you take me to the movie? And I said, "Um, I'll take you to see the movie 
only if you allow me to tell you the truth. He said, okay, that's a deal. So the movie talks about Jesus getting married to Mary. And the kid says, did he really get married? I said, you know, he did get married, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that. Let me describe to you his wedding day. You see, if you want to title his wedding, the wedding says that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. It was a day of power, a day of redemption, a day where he's the conqueror. But as a matter of fact, there's not a woman back there getting ready for him or getting makeup on him. There was a makeup artist, and he was the one that was getting done. Because in his makeup room, it wasn't a makeup room. It was public in front of everybody to humiliate him. In his makeup room, he was strapped up to a whipping post. In his makeup room, it was a cat of nine tails. The makeup artist was a man who was sweaty. He was strong. He could have been a, maybe a football player strong safety. He's walking around. And with adrenaline pumping in his mind, uh, this Roman soldier, he knows about punishment. He's the perfecter of punishment. That's his makeup. Why? I mean, to this day, if you hear about the mob movies, the entire movies, they know how to punish people. Well, who are the forefathers of that? It's those soldiers. They know how to punish you. So when he's looking at him, making a mockery of him, and punishing him, people don't realize he's the makeup artist. And with that cat of nine tails, he took everything he got, like a kickoff, when they kicked the ball off to you, and you're getting ready to hit somebody. I know about that. He took that whip of everything he got, and he dug into his back as much as he could. And when he hit that bat and came connect with it you know what he connected with he connected with a lot there's suicide that's out there there's divorce that's out there there's debt that's out there there's sickness that is out there there's so much pain and destruction why because that's what Jesus's wife is going to go through and he says you know what I'm going to take the pain for her but I got to get made up like her why because I got to relate to her no one does that Muhammad can't relate to you Buddha can't relate to you president can't relate to you but the God that created this universe the God that created all the stars the God that made you into the womb of your mother the God that picked you to be his number one draft pick he wants to relate to his creation and when they stuck that whip into his back and when they yanked it out it was graphic eyewitness account says that one lashing left about nine whips around his torso because it's a cat of nine tails eyewitness account maybe there's flesh hanging on there it wasn't pretty but you know what else isn't pretty when a lot of kids are abused at home that's not pretty either it's not pretty life isn't pretty People always talk about what, I remember they say, well, if the Bible is perfect, why is there slavery in the Bible? It wasn't condoned. It's a history book. Life isn't pretty. It's not a rated G movie. It's not pretty when you see families being broken up. Divorce is rampant because the devil hates marriage because it represents something called covenant. And this man right here says, you know what? If I want to, I can walk away. Marriage counseling. To my marriage counseling, my own bride is hitting me. That man represents his bride. My bride is kicking me, spitting on me. She's whipping me. I can walk away. But you know what? Covenant. 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 They say Jesus is the visionary. You know what vision is? When I see things with my heart. Not my eyes, with my heart. Covenant. So he checks the breathing, and he does it again because he doesn't want to kill him. He whips him one more time. Boom! When he hits him, he sees if I was the only one left in this earth, me, I'm 13 years old. I'm 13 years old. I lost my father. My mother wouldn't speak to me for six weeks. We're poor, seven of us in our family. My mom has a 10th grade education. 
She works at a high school cafeteria. It's not enough to pay the bills. I felt abandoned because my father represented destiny. To me, daddy is destiny. A generation without fathers is a generation that has no destiny. A generation without destiny is a generation with confusion. But God is not the author of confusion. His hand is in this generation because he sat there and he predestined it 2,000 years ago. I took that whip. 13-year-old Clarence Lee needs a father. He's breathing. He's 100% man. He's 100% God. The man of him wants to walk away. But I tell you right now, there is a Holy Spirit that empowers you to have passion, that empowers you to have mercy, that empowers you to take the gift that you have and it multiplies it and makes it strong and supernatural. And the devil's a counterfeiter. He says, you know what? If you drink, you'll forget about your problems. If you drink, you can be more effective. If you drink, you can do this. If you do a drug, you can stay awake in class. He wants to imitate the Holy Spirit. He's a liar. He's a counterfeiter. The Holy Spirit is the one that you need to give you power in the classroom. School gives you an education. God gives you instruction. So he's sitting there and he's trying to breathe. He gets hit 39 times. Over 350 lashings around his body. They say organs were exposed. They even offer him performance-enhancing drugs to take away the pain, but he turns it down. Why? Because he knows there's athletes out there one day that are going to want to take performance-enhancing drugs, but he shows, I don't need performance-enhancing drugs because the struggle is real, and I want everyone to see the struggle so I can tell my story. The struggle is real. There are no shortcuts in life. So he carries that 160-pound wooded cross down the marriage aisle, Trickled blood coming down the aisle that divides this earth, that divides the room, it divides families. Something about that blood is so powerful. And as he carries that cross and it pins him up like this and he's stretched out, something happened in that process. As a man, I'm to leave my father and cleave with my wife. So here he is. All of my sin and all of my sins, uh, all, I mean, sins of commission, sins of the heart, sins of omission, all the, it, it, my, 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 my iniquities, everything, my, my pain, it's all lifted off of me. Multiply that times seven billion. No, multiply that times our relatives that have passed away. My God, that's about a trillion people or something. It comes up a trillion times and it hits him. It doesn't just come on top of him. It says he becomes it. It's like a soul tie. He's, 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 he's living and feeling the consequences, but yet he didn't commit it. So I know what it feels like to be fatherless. He knows what it feels like to be high. He knows what it feels like, my goodness, to be abused. He knows what it feels like to go through pain. And he didn't have to commit it because he walked away from his father so he could cleave to us, the weaker vessel. And when he did that, the veil was torn away so we could have access to the man, the husband, the visionary, because we're the bride. But something about that blood, there's something about that blood, something about that blood that divides two thieves, 
One thief sees him with his eyes, and one thief sees him with his heart. One thief calls him a carpenter, one thief sees the creator. One thief sees 33 years, one thief sees the number eight, because you flip them together and get eight. New beginnings, infinity, alpha and the omega. There's a 12-step program that tells you for the rest of your life you're a drug addict, but you're recovering, but you're still a drug addict. No, it tells you for the rest of your life you're an alcoholic. Let me tell you about a program. It's not brand new. It's been around for a long, long time, but it seems brand new. It's called a one-step program. It's called resurrection. And what resurrection tells you that you're a new creation. Resurrection tells you that you're not a sinner, but you're a new creation. You may have a sinful nature, but you're a new creation. Reveals your identity in Christ. Why? Because you're his number one draft pick. It's called marriage. It's called covenant. So for now on, if I don't feel like being a good daddy, I'm going to take it back to the cross. If I don't feel like being a good husband, i got to take it back to the cross. If I don't feel like ministering to people and I don't feel love, I got to take it back to the cross. Because my emotions are crazy. If I rely on my emotions, I'm in trouble. It's like a roller coaster. Love isn't an emotion. It's a decision. The multitudes see the wrong kind of love. Give me, give me, give me. Show me your hands. Give me, give me, give me. Give me the fish. Give me the fish fry. Give me the loaves. Give me this. Give me that. It's okay. Hey. But you got to take it further if you want to go another level. So the 12, they see a different kind of love. I see brotherly love. I see power. I'm experiencing the benefits of his power, the benefits of going to church, the benefits of being in a family, the benefits. I feel power. I got a microphone. I feel the power. That's all right. That's good. But I got to take it further. My goodness. How about the agape? The agape is I get to see him suffer. I get to see him suffer and weep and cry. It's the three that gets to see him when he doesn't want to do it. It's the three that's close to you when you're weak. That's the three. That's when you see his face and not his hands. When you see his faith, it caused death in your life. Why? Because the longer you belong to this world, you belong to him. When you see his face, I want to see his face. The Bible says it's a daily thing to die. So every day you wake up and say, Lord, let me see your face. I don't want your hands. I want your face. Lord, show me your face. I adore you, Father. Show me your face. Take it back to the cross. Lord, I can't, I can't pay my bills. I'm sick. Show me your face. Daddy, show me your face. I'm a father. Show it to me. Creator, vision, ruler. He'll multiply things in your life if you ask for his face. Because the disciples got to take up your cross daily. And when you do that, you are truly his disciple. I got to take it back to the cross. I baptized that kid at that group home. We didn't have room for baptism, so in his clothes, we took a bathtub and we baptized him. It was cool. It was cool. I said, this ain't going to save you. You're getting a bath, really, but your heart is what saves you. But we're going to do this anyway because this is your faith. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. We're going to give it to you right now. Powerful moment. And that's what this whole week is all about. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us, it is the power of God. The power team is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I tell you, there was a man who went to prison. 
went to prison for quite a few years. He was a good man in people's eyes. His name was Joseph. And when Joseph was in prison, Joseph probably wondered, why am I in prison? What is wrong? I did everything right. I fled from the woman who tried to tempt me, told everybody about my dream. What am I doing in prison? But you don't realize being in prison may be the best thing to be. A prison time in your life may be the battlefield, maybe your prayer closet. could be a firing furnace. Everybody say three. But when you meet your three, that gets to see you suffer and see you at your weakness points, you get to know more about God because he ran into three people while he was in that prison. The first person he met was a cupbearer. You know what a cupbearer is? A cupbearer is the person who's next to the king and he gets to taste anything to make sure there's no poison in that cup before the king drinks it. The Lord wants to be a cupbearer. Read the word of God and let it test anything that comes your way. If Pastor is preaching, be a cupbearer and read the word and make sure it's right, like the Bereans did. If someone walks up to you and says, Lord, God tells me this about you. Thus saith the Lord. Some people walk up to you and say, well, God says you're supposed to marry me. God says, no, no, no. You first read the word of God and you align that person's life and words with the word of God. Let it be a cupbearer. When you raise your kids, let the word of God be your cupbearer. He wants to be a cupbearer. He's in your circle of three. Next person he met was a baker. The Lord wants to be a baker in your life. The Bible says that he is a consuming fire. He wants to purge you. And it's going to hurt. It's going to pierce. It's going to burn. But you're made in God's image, but he's going to mold you and conform you into the image of Christ. Some people think it's hard work to be a Christian, but it's not you working. It's him working. You got to humble yourself and just feel the burn. And when you feel the burn, my goodness, you're coming closer and closer if you want to see his face. The third person he met was the warden. The warden has the keys to open the door for your next step in life. You know what it's called? It's called the mountaintop. But you're not to stay there for a long time, just temporary. Why? To tell people what you went through while you were in the furnace, while you were in prison, while you are in the battlefield. Why? Because you got a bigger prison, a bigger battlefield. That's life. It's not about taking breaks. It's seasons. It's a temporary break on the mountaintop. Go back to a bigger one. Why? To keep building your character in this process called sanctification until you get to your glorified body when you die. There's your job. You can retire from your job because they pay you for your job. But you can't retire from your work because your work is who you are. When you know who you are and your giftings, you keep working. I believe when you go to heaven, you're going to keep working. You're going to love it. But your job is what they pay you to do. There's a difference. And you got to understand your work and perfect it when you're getting sanctified. Take it back to the cross. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone that's in this room. I'm going to ask you a question with your eyes closed. If you know that you're going to go to heaven when you die, just raise your hand. You know it. You're 100% sure. You know it. You know, you know, you know with a shadow of a doubt. Put your hands down. What if you're not 100% sure? Because you're not going to live forever. Be honest with me. If you're not 100% sure, just raise your hand. You're not sure if you're going to. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Raise your hand if you want to be sure then. If you want to be sure, raise your hand. 
Okay, let's be sure. Because salvation is easy. They try to tell you it's hard, but it's easy. As an athlete, we want it to be hard. No, no, no. It's easy. Just be humble. You just got to believe in your heart. And we're going to say a prayer. Here's the prayer. Everybody, let's do it together as a family. Let's pray together. Everybody say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you conquered death, hell, and the grave. I believe you rose on the third day. I believe that you're sitting on the throne on the right hand of God. I ask for you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me my sins from the past, the present, and the future. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Devil, you are a liar because the gates of Hades cannot overcome what Christ has done for me because he has won and I belong to him. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. I'm going to ask you a question, and all you got to do is raise your hand. Because I remember when Coach wanted me to play football at Florida State University, I raised my hand. When they asked us to come out of the tunnel in the locker room, we came out the tunnel. We weren't ashamed because we understood that we're a part of an institution of greatness. You are a part of an institution of greatness. If you were recruited today because you're his number one draft pick, just raise your hand if you made that prayer today. You made it. I want you to be bold because he died publicly for you. Raise your hand publicly for him. Anyone? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't be ashamed because this is a test. This is your family. Imagine out there where people who aren't your family. Anyone else? You prayed it and you meant it. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Tell people, somebody what you did today. Talk to someone because the Lord wants to find three people to put in your circle. He also wants to give you 12 to carry the assignment for you and the multitudes to serve. Okay? Know your role in God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. This, this is the, the kind and the quality of what we've been experiencing throughout this week, not only from Clarence, from the entire team. You'll be at 4 o'clock in Carlstead, and you'll finally be able to be done at that point. Yeah. Uh, it's been an amazing week, but I want to tell you one other thing. If I'm understanding correctly, Clarence, um, you left home, you left your chicken nuggets and your, you know, whatever all those little food items were, uh, expecting to head back tonight and see them today or tomorrow while you've been on this trip. You've been given another assignment. You are actually not going to get home till Thursday now. Okay. Would you mind, without going into detail, would you mind just explaining why? Because I want us to be praying for you. Would you just explain what you can? Yeah, I, um, it was kind of a, 
last minute thing and I didn't turn it down. Um, I'm speaking to a college football team, Texas A&M University. They, um, the coach, I have a good relationship with him, Coach Sumlin. They, uh, they used to have a guy named Johnny Menzel on their team and he's been getting in a lot of trouble and we pray for him in the situation. And it's been affecting the uh, morale of the players and um, questioning about the environment they have over there. Coach wants to set a, president, a presence, um, the same kind of presence he had in Houston. Um, he wants it to get serious. And so he asked me to come out there, and my friend who's doing the city work with me, Keith Davis, and then two more universities got a hold of that, and they want us to come also. One's at Texas State, and I forgot what the third one is. I don't know where they're taking me. And then I'm catching a flight home on Thursday, and I get a chance to relax. But I'll be honest with you, I feel like, I feel like a zombie right now. I'm tired, but it's all good, Pastor. When, you, when I'm weak, he's strong, right? <laughs> well, people, what, I, what I'm hoping you're going to catch with this simply is he's going to leave us. We're going to talk about how incredible the power team was to have here. He needs our prayers because I guarantee you, you're all exhausted at this point. It is not easy what they do, not only the physical feats of strength, but meeting bunch of strangers every place you go and having to know how to relate to them, not sleeping in the right bed, not eating the foods you're familiar with. It is not easy. And his brother has been called on now to continue to give. He did, made an interesting challenge, know your place in the kingdom of God. And he's like, this is my place. I need to go talk to these athletes. They need somebody. And God's calling me. And he's answering that call, but he needs our prayers. Can I, will you raise your hand? You'll commit to pray for Clarence through the rest of this week. You will not forget him on a daily basis. Will you pray for Clarence? Thank you. And so I appreciate your sharing that, Clarence, because I knew they will. These people will pray for you. Okay? They will pray for you. Uh, it's, it's been rich. It's been a blessing. We're going to finish. You notice we shifted something around. It was intentional. We're going to be blessed. We're going to, this, our closing hymn, rather than us singing it, our closing hymn, we're going to have the ministry of Crystal Wickstrom is going to come. And uh, you're going to minister to us. This is Karen's daughter. You probably know that by now. Enjoy the rich blessing of this. Uh, let's listen to Crystal. There's a little flame inside us all. Some shine bright and some shine small. Will come and the waters will rise, but don't you ever lose your life in this life? You will know love and pain, joy and sorrow. So when it hurts, when the times get hard, don't forget whose child you are. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it. This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Gonna let it shine And may you live each day With no regret Make the most of every chance you get Let your eyes get wide When you look at the stars a wonder is a child's heart with the ones you love treasure the time and for those who are gone keep the memories alive hold on to your dream don't ever let go there's a fire in
There's a little flame inside us all 